Well, as you grab your Bible and turn with me to Genesis, uh, chapter 41 is where we'll be tonight. I want you to think with me to the last time you saw God move or work in your life. I want you to think about that. It may be something he spoke to you today. It may be uh, how you saw him work in someone else's life, but you saw evidence of God working in someone else today. And uh, before you think this is time for you just to sit back and be quiet, I want you to find a person to your left or your right, and I want you to ask them, where did you see God in the last week? And uh, I want you to listen to the response, and then I want you to share your response with them as well. The scripture tells us that when we give glory to the Lord, when we give praise to him, he inhabits the praises of his people. And it doesn't just do good for the father to hear the the hearts of the children. It does something for one another when we hear what God is doing in our life. So take a second, turn to the person around you. You thought, oh, I thought I was going to be able to sit here and just check out. No, you can't check out. I want you to think about when is the last time you saw God move in your life and the life of somebody else, either one, in the last week or so, and share with them how you saw God move. On your mark, get set, go. Find the person around you. If you haven't switched yet, go ahead and switch and hear what the other person has to say. They've got a blessing they want to share too. Listen to them. Amen. I'm not sure what praise you just heard, but I'm confident that God is at work. The question is not, did God do something this week? The question is, did you and I take time to notice what he's doing? I can't think of very many things that bring as much joy to my heart as when I see the light of God turn on in somebody's eyes when they know that they know that they know that God has been providing and been working in their life. And uh, that encourages my faith and strengthens me as well. And so take time to share that blessing. A couple of you emailed me today and let me know how God had been answering prayers. Thank you for that. And I want to encourage you and allow that to be a part of your speech pattern as we talk with one another. Well, uh, as we look at Genesis chapter 41, we're continuing in our series on Joseph and, and his life and how it connects to us as, as average men and women and regular people in today's world. What he went through has direct application for us today. If you remember our first week, we saw how Joseph came from a less than stellar family, and he would have been in the Jerry Springer families of all families. I mean, it was dysfunction all over the place, and and we saw that even out of that, God took Joseph and did mighty things in his life. Joseph, who was definitely one who God had his hand on, still faced temptation, and we saw last week how to fight sexual temptation the way Joseph fought that temptation, and tonight I want us to look about the tests that God brings our way and allows to come into our life. Joseph, in his life, as we look at this book in the Old Testament, we're focusing on how he knew hard tests. Now when I think about tests, I think about school, I think about uh, Algebra test. I'm not sure why that's burned into my memory. I think that was great fear uh, that is still deep within me and to try to remember how to work formulas that I didn't study well enough for. And just like in education, 
and tests go together, the purpose in school when there's a test is to find out what you know or to find out what you don't know, rather. But the test that we face spiritually is not so much to find out what you know as it is to find out what you are made of, what is on the inside, and God allows us to walk through tests to see what is in us. That's why the Bible reminds us that troubles and difficulties are the material that God uses to strengthen our faith. Now listen to James 1, 2 through 4. Whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. I remember uh, when I was in my junior high years, I was struggling with chronic asthma, and it took me out of sports for a period of time, and, and I had people tell me, oh, you're going to be learning so much, and God's going to teach you things through this. And I remember thinking, I'm sick of learning. I don't want to learn this. I mean, thanks, God, but if I could choose to like not learn something right now or do what I want to do, I'd rather do what I want to. And In fact, I think that's why God allows these tests to happen, because very few, if any of us, would ever choose to want to have these tests. But when we see there are opportunities to grow, there is good that can come out of it. We don't like tests any more spiritually than I think we do in school, but without them, we don't grow stronger the way the Lord wants us to. Just like in school, the best teachers give the best tests. Now, not the most popular teachers, but the ones who do the best at their job of teaching their students give the best tests. And that's why God loves us so much. He allows these tests to take place in our life. That's why we see people like Job, who experienced all kinds of tests in his life, begin to understand that God was doing something in him. Job had illness hit him, and he lost his family, and he lost all kinds of wealth around him, and few of us have experienced the test the way Job had experienced. But listen to Job's words as he talks about God. Let him, God, test me in the crucible. I shall come out pure gold. And Job had a perspective, perspective, and he understood that it wasn't a promise that he would come out with all the riches he had originally or that he'd have his health back guaranteed, or that he'd get all of his family back the way it was before. But the promise of external blessings wasn't necessarily there, but he had the assurance that he would come out pure. He would come out as pure gold, as one translation puts it. Passing God's test makes us better people, more compassionate, more mature. There is a depth in our life that can be admired by others. Have you ever had experience of working with somebody who really didn't have any tough things happen in their life, or at least didn't appear to be, their compassion meter usually is really low. Their excitement about themselves meter is usually off the charts high. It reminds me of a discussion that I had read about. I heard that there was a woman who sang a solo in front of a large audience, and as she began to sing, her vocal technique was splendid. Her intonation was flawless. Her range was impressive. She obviously had an exceptional talent to sing. And the man who wrote the song she was singing was in the audience. And the person sitting next to that author of the song knew that he wrote the song and saw how good she was doing. And he leaned over to this man and said, what do you think of the soloist? And he said, I think she will be really great once she gets her heart broken. 
It's amazing that you can sing the song and have all the technical things right, but if there is no emotion, if there's no soul, if you have no connection to what it is you're singing about, it's just kind of good, but not great. A.W. Tozer observed it this way. He put it this way. It's doubtful God can use anyone greatly until he first allows them to be hurt deeply. I like Tozer in his writings, but I didn't like that very much. I thought, come on, A.W. It's doubtful God can use anyone greatly until he first allows them to be hurt deeply. All of this forms the backdrop for Joseph's life that we're talking about tonight. And let me quickly review some of the pain he's already gone through. Before age 30, his life was filled with rejection, disappointment, betrayal, mistreatment, false accusations, slavery, and being forgotten by those who promised not to forget him. So by the time we catch up with him in chapter 41 of Genesis, he's in the middle of yet another test that God has allowed. But there is gold in the making in his life. God is purifying him again, and he comes out as pure gold. So for the next couple of minutes, I want us to look at four principles out of Joseph's life in these verses here in this chapter. And to help us remember, let's use this uh, acrostic of pure. Now, when I see things like this in teaching sometimes, it makes me a little bit skeptical because it's not so important that it spells some word for us, but it's just a memory clutch to help us remember what God is doing. I want you to look in your Bible and see that this is what God is actually doing in his life. This is not an attempt to try to force this into something that rhymes or makes sense with an acrostic. This is what Joseph experienced. Look in your Bible with me as we study this together. First, the letter P in pure, we see a challenge that Joseph is faced with to persevere when nothing is happening. The last verse of chapter 40 says this, Pharaoh's cupbearer, however, promptly forgot all about Joseph. Never giving him another thought. That's encouraging. Have you ever felt like that? That the people around you didn't just forget you, but they promptly forgot you. I mean, as soon as they left your presence, it was as if you didn't exist. And the next phrase says in 41 verse 1, two years later. He'd been forgotten, not just for a minute, not just for an afternoon, not just for a week, but two years later, he was remembered at that point. That's a long time to be waiting for God to work in your life. I don't know if I'd been Joseph if I would have passed the test as well as he did. I think I probably would have been whining about how long it would take. I shared this morning that I'm feeling much better after dealing with the sinus and bronchitis and all that kind of junk. And and when I'm sick at my house, my philosophy is if I'm sick, everyone else needs to know about it. There's no point in being sick and being quiet. Those of you who can do that, you are much more gracious and uh, probably an easier patient to be around. (laughs) Uh, I walked right into that. But... uh, If I'm that whiny about just being sick, can you imagine waiting two years for God's promise to come? Being forgotten and alone and in prison and and doing everything you know to do and it had been a long time. I would have been tempted to say, come on God, let's get this show on the road, let's get to where we're going. I mean, if you want to teach me patience, hurry up and teach me now because we've got things to get to. But Joseph isn't recorded anywhere in responding that way. He just continues to be faithful and plots along 
and gold, pure gold, is being formed in his life. It's been said by a few, there aren't any hard and fast rules for persevering, just hard ones. If you want to try to find the shortcut to persevering, you're not really persevering anymore. And it's sometimes a difficult road to walk. I've learned the hard way that God often does his best work when it appears nothing is happening. When I am required to stay the course, even when I see what appears to be no progress. Anybody ever been in that situation? Just me? Joseph? I think all of us can think of a time when it feels like nothing is happening. We're doing what we know to do. We're doing what Scripture tells us to do. And it just seems like nothing is happening. And in this process, learning from Joseph how to walk through these tests, we need to persevere even when nothing is happening. You see, that's what's happening in Joseph's life. For the present time, it appears that there is nothing going on. But for the future, everything is happening for him. When God determined he was ready, it was just like every other day in the dungeon, in the jail. But that day was different because that was the day that God was going to promote him. By the way, God rarely announces his promotions that he gives. He just looks for people who have proven faithful no matter what the circumstances are. People who persevere no matter what. Let's pick up in chapter 41 as we see the story here. And Pharaoh has had a couple of dreams. His wise men, the sorcerers or the magicians, can't interpret them. Who can interpret my dreams, Pharaoh announces. Suddenly the cupbearer's memory kicks in and listen to verse 9 through 14. Finally the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I've been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago you were angry with the chief baker and me and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in prison who was a slave to the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he predicted. I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. After two years of waiting, Joseph hadn't complained, he hadn't whined, he hadn't gotten impatient. All along, his humble attitude had been, God, I accept the things that you have allowed in my path. Use it to teach me what I need to know, and when the time comes, allow me to be ready for the task you have for me. This leads to the second principle we can find in this passage. It's the letter U. Understand our dependence upon God. Look at what Pharaoh says in verse 15. I had a dream last night, and none of these men can tell me what it means. But I have heard that you can interpret dreams, and that is why I have called for you. Now, it's interesting to me how Joseph replies. He could have said, that's right, Pharaoh. You could have had answers to your dreams two years ago if you would have got me out of prison. But he didn't say that. He could have got all prideful and said, yep, (laughs) I'm the man. I'm the guy that can interpret dreams. You should be lucky to have me in your presence. That's not what he says. Look at chapter 41, verse 16. Joseph is speaking. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. 
But God will tell you what it means and will set you at ease. I love the humility that Joseph shows here. He says, Pharaoh, don't look to me for answers, but there is there is a God beyond these planets, beyond these stars, that your sorcerers, that your magicians, that your wise men, so-called, try to interpret things from the stars. There's a God beyond those. So the key is, don't look for the answer in the stars. Look for the answer from the one who made the stars, Joseph is exclaiming to Pharaoh. He says, I know him personally. He's been with me for two years in the dungeon. He hasn't forgotten me when others have forgotten me. He's simply been preparing me for this moment to be his mouthpiece. That's all I have to do with it. How could Joseph be so confident speaking with such power right in the face of the man who was probably the most powerful on the planet at the time? Why wasn't he intimidated? Don't miss this. Because God had burned away all his self-consciousness through the fire of the test. Joseph no longer had an ego to defend. He had no pride to stroke. You don't read anything of him having resentment or selfish pride from his age of 30 on to his death at a ripe old age of 110. There's not one word of resentment against the Men who forgot him, against the woman who lied about him and had him falsely imprisoned, against the brothers who sold him into slavery, he never speaks ill of them. What a way to live. Well, what if we could learn from Joseph and begin to see that there's a way to walk through tests in a way that we could be victorious? He persevered when he was forgotten. He understood his dependence on God. He didn't get excited about himself. He knew that he was dependent on God. And in the third letter, there are, he resisted the temptation to be self-focused. As I read uh, Pharaoh's report of his dreams to Joseph, I'm going to look at verse 17 through 32. As I read this, I want you to take note of how many times Joseph refers to God. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. In my dream, he said, I was standing on the bank of the Nile River. I saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin to graze in the marsh grass. But then I saw seven sick-looking cows, scrawny and thin, coming up after them. I've never seen such sorry-looking animals in all of the land of Egypt. These thin, scrawny cows ate the seven fat cows. But afterward, you wouldn't have known it. For they were still as thin as and scrawny as before. Then I woke up. Verse 22. Then I fell asleep again. I had another dream. This time I saw seven heads of grain, full and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And the shriveled heads swallowed the seven healthy heads. I told these dreams to the magicians, to the sorcerers, to my wise men... But no one could tell me what they meant. Verse 25, Joseph responded, Both Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin, scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent Seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it, for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land, but afterward there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten 
in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will also be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God. And he soon will make them happen. God has revealed in verse 25, he says. God has shown in verse 32. Firmly, God has decreed, he has decided, and he will do it soon in verse 32. All the way through, Joseph focuses on what God said, what God will do, what God is. Why is this important? When you and I are going through a hard test, there's a temptation to focus on ourselves, What we want, what we need, what we're not getting, what is wrong with us. How do we resist that temptation? Joseph says, keep your focus on God. You see, it's impossible to be God-focused and self-focused at the same time. And then when promotion comes to you, you will see an opportunity to build up his kingdom and not your kingdom. Notice Joseph is unselfish as he offers counsel to Pharaoh and following his interpretation. In verse 33, Joseph says, Therefore, Pharaoh, you should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Never once does he say, and uh, by the way, <laughs> I'm pretty wise, I'm pretty good. I'm the one who understood all this, so uh, if you got an opening, you could choose me. He simply says, this is what I think would be best for you. This is what would be best for the people. This is what would be best for what God wants me to say to you. And he allowed God to be his promoter. God to be the one to defend him. Here's the application for us. Let God do your promoting. Stop looking for ways to get personal advantage all the time. And and take your cues from Joseph and direct your attention to what God is doing. If you will, he will be faithful to be your defender and your promoter. God can pull it off if you get your ego out of the way. One more final principle before we go this evening. With the letter E, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Even this pagan, ungodly leader like Pharaoh could recognize the difference in Joseph's life and his example. Verse 38 says, as they discussed who should be appointed for the job, Pharaoh said, who could do it better than Joseph? For he is a man who is obviously filled with the Spirit of God. When you're going through hard tests, the most important principle is to be empowered by the Spirit of God. Because even if you try to pass these tests, even in your own strength, you will fail every time. Friend, we talk about this a lot around here, about the fullness or the, the filling of the Spirit of God in our life, the power that the Spirit of God has in us. And this isn't because we don't have anything else to say, we're just kind of repeating old material. This is where it's at. God says, I want to give you my Spirit As we talked about this morning with the the intimacy with God, it's not just making sure that we're not refusing the Holy Spirit or making sure that we're not indifferent to the Holy Spirit, but he wants us to have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And it was this evidence that the very Spirit of God that was working in Joseph is what caused Pharaoh to see something is different about this guy. If you find yourself in a situation where it appears nothing is changing, nothing I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, and nothing is happening. 
We begin to think, well, I must not be doing it right. God has forgotten me. Read your Bible. There are godly men and women who wait and wait and wait and wait. Joseph sat in prison for two years because some guy got forgetful. And then when he gets out and he has a perfect opportunity to just smack him around and say, remember. He says, that's not why I went through all that. God was burning away the pride that I had. Remember Joseph at the beginning when he was pretty excited about his dreams? and Hey, brothers, come around. Check it out. I had a dream, and there was all this, like, you know, wheat, and, and you guys were some, and I was some, but you all bowed down to me. It was pretty cool. Let's tell Dad about this. He was saying what God had told him, but in a way that really brought a lot of attention to himself. God began to push that out of Joseph to punish him, right? No. Because God loved him and he wanted to to purify him, to make him as pure as gold for the time that God wanted to use him. See, even in our best intentions, when we grit our teeth and we give all the determination that we can give, we end up leaving defeated when we try to do it in our own strength. God wants you and I to be as pure as gold. That's why he gives us the spirit to live within us so We can have victory in our life. He wants our experience to be the same as that of the Apostle Paul. Listen to Paul's words. I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength that I need. We've heard that and we've liked that verse. But I think we really get a little bit dyslexic when we read that. We read it but we think something else. I can do everything I want to when God gives me his strength that I can use how I want to use it. That's not what it says. But we read it and we think that's what we just read. Because there's a little bit of us that would like to hang on to that power, to hang on to that strength. Because, God, we love you. Thanks for getting rid of my sin. But come on in and uh, give me that strength and power. But I'm kind of good at running this life. I know this broken down vessel better than anybody else and I know my limitations and and I know where I redline and I know where I can't quite do it. And so if you're going to put me through this test, go ahead and give me your strength. I will use it. I will manage it. And then I'll get back to you on how it went. That's not what the Apostle Paul said. That's not what he said at all. Listen to his words. He said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's the strength of God in my life to do his will. I can't have the Spirit's power when I am trying to get him to be on my timetable. I was praying with some friends this morning, and I was reminded of the fact that here the apostles had witnessed all these amazing things. And then Jesus had the audacity to say, don't go anywhere until the power of my Spirit falls on you. If anybody would have been a good witness, don't you think the disciples were pretty qualified? They left everything. They walked with him. They saw it all. They were getting ready to pen some great letters and and works of the Bible that would be circulated through the rest of time. I mean, these guys are ready. And and Jesus says, don't go anywhere. Just stay here. Because the power of my spirit is what makes this work in your life. As we pray tonight, 
Let's ask God to take this truth that he's planted in our heart and let it germinate to bring hope for us. Father, I thank you for my friends here tonight who have experienced a great day in your presence with me as well today. Father, you have touched our heart. You have encouraged us. You've convicted us. As we hear your word again in Genesis, we look at the account of Joseph's life. Father, would you take this and would you put it deep in our heart and allow it to grow? The fact of the matter is that every single one of us in this room will go through a time of testing in the near future. Not because you're a cruel God who wants to punish us, but because you're a loving Father who wants to purify us. Lord, would you give us the perspective to see what it is you're doing in our life? Would you give us the ability to persevere when it appears that nothing is happening? Would you give us your understanding to see how truly dependent we need to be on you? And God, I confess that we need your strength to resist the temptation to be so focused on who we are, what we have, what we don't have, where we want to be, where we're not at. And would you empower us with your Holy Spirit? Thank you, God, that you can use a young 17-year-old man from a dysfunctional home who's bombarded with every sick, immoral temptation that the world has to throw at him, who walk through hard tests just like we do and has given us an opportunity to see not how great he was but how good you were in his life. Would you do that again in us, Father? We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen and amen. Friends, thanks for worshiping with us tonight. I want to encourage you that if you haven't grabbed your tickets for uh, the Christmas choir worship celebration, uh, do so. Remember.